The journey is conversations with ordinary people um, about stories of transformation and how we may have had setbacks in our life and how we persevered through those, how we've learned from those obstacles and how they've you know, maybe helped us um, on our path today. Well, welcome to The Journey. Um, my name is Kevin Polkey, and I am the host of The Journey. And today we have uh, a special guest with us. And she is uh, someone that I had the opportunity about six months ago, six months or so ago, that um, that I was uh, introduced through a family friend and or friends of friends, I guess, or however that worked. And uh, since then, I've, I've gotten to meet Irene as well as her husband and gotten to know her story and then what... Uh, uh, what what who you are and what you've been doing? So, Irene, welcome to uh, welcome to the journey. And so, um, I'm glad you're able to spend some time with us. Thank you, Kevin. I can't believe it's been six months already. That's actually it. It really has been that long. But yeah. wow. Yeah. So it's it, it. I think about it. I mean, we're what we just started February. So it was yeah, it was right around August, September uh, when we first uh, met in at, at my office over in Perryville. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to everything that uh, we're going to do in the future. So here's to six months and more months ahead. Yeah, exactly. So, so Irene, why don't you kind of fill us a little bit in, fill, you know, introduce yourself to the audience and, and how we usually start with that is just from an element when you have an opportunity, because you're a pretty busy, pretty ambitious individual. Uh, when you have an opportunity to have fun, what, what do you do to have fun? Uh, I... At this point, it's usually golf. I mean, we are, it is winter right now, but I took up golf last year and quickly became obsessed with it as my mode of fun because I found that I could still be um, relaxing but and being competitive, but also working in my head while I was golfing, if that makes sense. Um, and when I say working, not in probably the context that most people think, because a lot of my work revolves around organizing mental thoughts and putting things in different perspectives. So golf really allows me to get new perspectives on everything I'm working on. So golf is usually what I do for fun right now, but I also lift weights and other, anything active, really getting some sunshine. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Nice. So when you were, when you were, let's say high school, young adult, what were you involved with athletics at all? Or uh, did you have an athletic background? Absolutely. Um, I I really took athletics as kind of a, a core part of my identity when I was when I was younger. I played uh, anywhere from like basketball and volleyball and soccer to I played football uh, with the boys when I was in middle school. Later in college, I played rugby and you know weight trained a lot. I was I was a lot um, broad, broader, and bigger then and really took the whole super buff girl as my as my identity back in the day um so now i i prefer to be fit and in shape but i've i've always enjoyed sports and have kind of made my way through different um i've gotten different things out of sports at different times in my life 
Sure, sure. And 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 very much I know that has been my part of my journey, my story as well. And now, you know, outside of working out and um uh, and hiking and things like that, you know, the competitive part of sports is has been uh not something I do now. I'm more of a spectator of that element of it, but uh I I definitely enjoy and appreciate the the what sports and and organized sports can do can do for us so um so rugby huh so how did you that's that's typically not a, a female sport though i do know um because my son-in-law is a rugby player and plays for the rockford ravens uh i've got in the last few years from milwaukee to when he came here to rockford i have gotten very much introduced to the to the rugby world because of him so yeah tell me a little bit how uh how rugby became part of, of an activity you did in college well i you know I guess getting kind of into to my background, I grew up in a in a very orthodox religious home. And in my childhood, I really developed this aversion to being anything like uh, what a woman was really supposed to be, because, you know, I saw the way that women were treated over men and I loved the respect and the power that the men held. And so a lot of my trying to be more masculine in the way I dressed and in the sports that I played, I, I felt different and I felt cool and I felt powerful when I was doing more masculine sports. And so whenever I went to school, I was surrounded by a bunch of um, religious people and beautiful, beautiful girls. And everyone was just looking to get married and everyone was, you know, dressed the same and had long hair and just gorgeous. And to me, I just hated fitting into that category. And so when I got out to, to school, I thought, um, uh, what's like literally the most opposite thing of the culture of these girls. And I saw that there was a rugby team and I had been slightly interested back here with the Rockford Ravens and everything, but it was like day two. And I was just like, I'm doing it. I'm joining the rugby team. Okay. And that really became a huge part of my identity um, during my first year of, of school. So, and, and it was, it was great. Um, my team was very talented. One of the girls I played with ended up on the U S Olympic rugby team. Wow, we played older. Penn state in the championship and um, yeah. So I got to be a part of a very successful rugby team, which was really cool. Nice. And where did you go to school? I went to school right. at Brigham Young university. Oh, oh BYU. Okay. Yeah. yeah Cause okay. I, I grew up Mormon. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So, so, well, that, and obviously playing division one rugby, obviously in itself, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big, uh, you know, and, and granted, I mean, you know, where, you know, you know, always evolves, right. So, you know, certain sports evolve and continue, but at the end of the day, division one is still division one. So we're talking a pretty competitive level. So, uh, wow. Okay. Well, now we have a whole nother conversation to talk about. I, I still don't, can't say that I totally understand the game and I'm still trying to put American football in there somewhere to try to make the rules make sense. But, um, I, I've, I definitely have a deep appreciation for the sport and especially with the team that uh, my son-in-law is playing with right now, I just I just really appreciate watching them. How much they support each other, how much they want to grow as a, as as individuals as well as um, you know as a community. So that's been a it's been a pretty fun to watch. Yep, absolutely. So, um, so 
you, you know, you, you, you're in college, you end up going down this route. Cause I know that currently you're working, um, as an aerospace engineer and in that realm of things. And so tell us a little bit about how did, how did that all come about the whole idea to be, to, you know, uh, go down the, the path of being uh engineer. Obviously that today is, is not a, entirely a masculine profession, but uh, probably still, if we, we went to Collins, there are probably still going to be more males there than females, I would guess. So. Yeah. And the, the short answer to that is I, I had absolutely no intentions on going to school for anything uh, related to STEM. I, when I first, when I first left my home and I went out to BYU, really the goal was that I was going to get married. I was going to serve a Mormon mission and I was going to get married. I had no intention of actually completing a degree. If I did, it was probably in religious studies and but my whole world fell apart when I got home from my Mormon mission and was questioning my belief system and had this huge paradigm shift, a shattering of my identity. And eventually I became estranged from my family and started my life over. And my wonderful, supportive now husband said, no matter what you do, you have to get a degree. You just you have to do that for yourself. And so I said, okay, well, I don't know what I want to do. I was fluent in Spanish because I served my mission in Honduras for a couple of years. And so I thought, I'll just go for psychology in Spanish. And then I realized that I was only going for a psychology degree because I really just wanted to fix myself. You know, I felt so broken and lost at the time. And I completed that associates and was going to finish the last two years and then just thought, I really want to challenge myself and I don't just want to go into something because I want to fix myself. You know, I want to see what I can, what I can do. And I hated math um, in high school. I hate's a strong word. I disliked it, but um, you know, I kind of, there was the expectation that I was going to fail whenever I left uh, Mormonism and became estranged from my family. And one of the last things my father said to me was, are you happy? I said, yeah. And he said, good. Well, like, hope you stay happy. Like just this kind of dig. And, and so there was this kind of chip on my shoulder, this spite that I wanted to prove to myself that, you know, I can be successful in anything I want to do. And so just Literally for the heck of it, I switched my whole degree. I got another associate of engineering um, and then went into mechanical engineering. Actually, I've been working in aerospace the last three years, but my degree is in mechanical engineering. So the whole degree was really not out of a passion for um, anything science related. It was just I wanted to prove to myself I could do it and prove to my past that I could do it. So that's how I ended up where I am. Okay. Okay. And, and obviously, you know, kind of going back to what you said earlier about wanting to break the stereo, the stereotype of, yeah. of you know, female sports or female feminism as a whole of being in this box. That's what drew you to certain activities and certain, you know, certain things. So it kind of fits along with this idea that, okay, what would be something that would, be hard for me to do, challenge me to do, yeah. and that, um, and and that I can, uh, 
you know, well, see where I stand, see, you know, see how it, how I end up doing that. You know, I, I, I've talked recently in the past month, I've come across some research um, at the, from the Huberman lab and, um, and love Huberman lab. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing what they've come up with. And, and so, so he had David Goggins on um, a few weeks ago. I listened to that one. Did you? Okay. And um, when he talked about that part of our brain, right. The, I'm going to, you probably remember it. I'm going to mess it up, but the anterior mid cingulate cortex, I believe is the name, the part of the brain that actually develops and grows when we do things out of our comfort zone, when we do hard things. Yep. And, and of course it, you know, can also atrophy if we avoid hard things, right. And if we're not doing some, so I imagine, you know, going through that because it doesn't always have to be physical. We think, you know, like initially as an athlete, I think of it being physical, but, you know, if I was signing up for those types of classes, science and math classes that you were doing, those would be challenging, hard things for me to do. Um, and, and, and so I imagine that's also been a, another part of your development was this idea of choosing to do hard things, which then allows you to be able to do hard things when life gets hard. Yeah. I, I feel that that is a, a good way to describe my life is that I have, for better or for worse, I have always been a person of extremes. And it was quite detrimental to my mental health in my childhood and early adulthood, but also in some ways has served me well because I've ended up in very successful positions because um, I I thrive in extremes where most people would probably get really burned out or um, fall away. So, yeah. Well, and you know, kind of speaking of that, I know that, uh, you know, how we met really was, was through not necessarily you working as an engineer, not necessarily even, even really not even about your backstory specifically, but it was more about that. You also have this whole other part of you that is an artist specifically with, um, with music. And so tell us a little bit about, uh, about that. And, and when did that all start and how was that cultivated at another time period in your life or yeah. How did it all come about? Yeah, I think, you know, I was, I was always a lover of music growing up, but I never, uh, did much with it until it became necessary. Right. As this, um, this way of expressing myself in poetry, whenever I was going through quite literally, it was the worst and hardest period of my life at the age of 21, 22, um, literally my world was falling apart and my training in cognition growing up was not stellar and I couldn't remember things. And I was always forgetting like days at a time. I just, I wouldn't remember anything that I did my now husband would come home from work and just find me on the floor. Like just, I had been in tears for hours and had to like pass out on the floor. I mean, I was quite helpless mentally. Um, and music was something that slowed me down enough that life wasn't overwhelming. Losing my family and my culture wasn't as overwhelming because I was able to actually have the self-awareness to write this poetry and put melody to it. And so quite literally, 
music changed my life and it is only through my music truly that I've become the person that I am today. I would be a much different engineer, a much different wife, a much different person, if not for the opportunity to develop my identity through my music. Which I think is kind of a natural segue into how you and I got together and what your intention was about that. And, and so, so, so talking, I mean, obviously you just shared about how music has been key for you in your healing and recovery and the development of, of your, of, as you said, your identity now. And so tell us a little bit about how you have seen this idea of, of utilizing the art, specifically music and in lyrics, right. And the whole opportunity that comes with that experience and how that ties into mental health. Tell, tell us a little bit about what, what that vision is. And yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've been working towards my business, Irene's Entropy, being in the mental health world for quite some time now. And I could never figure out the junction of where the music met the mental health until I started doing these concerts that were uh, close to like a listening room experience where it was storytelling and um, and singing with mostly my acoustic guitar. And I started testing out this theory that you can basically have a therapy session while you're singing. And uh, we went on tour out west to Colorado and Utah and Idaho. And it was an overwhelming, beautiful experience that that you can take music as the scale factor, right? I mean, usually you walk into a room and you want to talk about mental health to employees or students or anyone, and people become uncomfortable. People don't like to be vulnerable in group settings usually. And music was this, as I said, scale factor. You can take anyone anywhere in any size group and if you're just sitting there listening to an artist tell their story, you automatically are placed in this vulnerable setting where it's not so uncomfortable because it's not about you. It's about the artist singing their story, but it is about you. You know, because often when we hear songs, we're listening to it through the lens of our own perspective. And so, and you and I have talked about this. Um, and so that idea um, really stemmed the whole idea of wanting to work with you and doing concerts together with a therapist or social worker that might have different perspectives to ask me, an artist, on my songs. And then while people are in this vulnerable state and you ask a question from your lens and your perspective, it opens the opportunity for everyone to learn in a new way so that's what irene's entropy has really become as far as music using it not just as you know i mean don't get me wrong i could do rock and roll shows like mm -hmm. every week i love it but sure. um yeah there's there's something just special about music yep. well and i think you know it, it's 
a combination of things, right? I mean, it's why, you know, every movie, you know, has a soundtrack, right? And there's there's the elements of a soundtrack makes the film um, have even a greater emotional impact. And and most most people listening, to, watching the movie, they never even know you know unless there's some featured song you know in the in the movie you you don't even connect the music with with the movie right it's only you know years later going oh that's the titanic music or oh that's the music from you know whatever whatever it may be and so um i think it definitely has that element of setting an emotional tone to open individuals up, inviting people in. And then from a lyrical standpoint, that's another element equally so that can tell that story, which like you said, you can, people will relate to it by putting themselves within the story or an element of their stories in the story. I was watching the Grammys last night and I remember thinking to myself before I turned it on, I was like, eh, you know, it's just a, it's just an award show. No big deal. I, I was, you know, started off like not even really paying attention, but there were some artists that came on and because the Grammys more so because of it being music, they're, they're doing live performances. Right. And so I, it was like a clear example of how my mood shifted my, um, I shifted in that space as certain artists sang their song and as I could relate to certain parts of the song. And um, so it was a, just an observation of, of my own experience just with that. And that wasn't anything, that wasn't anything facilitated. That was just me experiencing that particular, you know, performance or whatever. So, uh, yeah. so I'm, I definitely, I definitely think, you know, there is huge opportunities, you know, to, um, to be able to utilize the music, your songs and the music, the space to, to be able to invite people into, uh, broadening their perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that at the end of the day, Truly, it comes down to I'm I'm not putting on this concert to, you know, change you. There are certain structured concepts that I would hope you might learn by the end of it. But in general, it's it's all about when you walk away from this, I hope that your self-awareness has been increased. I think that's always my number one goal as an artist is I always start by saying, you know, my story is a bit extreme to some ends. And I do not expect everyone in the audience to relate to the specifics of my story. But I do expect that everyone in some form can relate to loss and sadness and anger and bitterness and happiness and empowerment and, you know, all of these things that make us human. And, and as we're living our stories, for me, the huge change in my life is that I became self-aware of all of my emotions. And so by the end of every concert, it is my hope that the audience has had an opportunity to increase their own self-awareness. Sure. Absolutely. Well, and, and again, as you mentioned, 
I, a person doesn't have to, and I think that's one of the distracting points going, well, you know, my story isn't the same as Irene. So it's, you know, that, you know, this isn't for me. And I'm like, yeah, that, okay. Maybe that's true. Right. But most people have experienced going through a breakup. Most people have experienced that, you know, I attached myself to this particular activity and then that activity no longer, I don't have a place in that activity. I mean, it could be, you know, playing football and then because I'm not going to play football in college, then football ends as a player in high school. And where do I go? What do I do? How do I think? Who am I now? And, and do I go back and hang out and talk about all the stories that I, of who I used to be, or, or do I, you know, where do I put that? And even though that's a much less extreme example of being, uh, you know, a dis, a disconnect from your family and, and, and no longer being part of your family because of choices being made by family members, it, there is an element of, on a, on a, on a smaller scale of how, you know, people experience, how people could experience going through um, change. And change. Going, you know, it just, it's yeah. changed. Life changes. It's always changing. And, um, and sometimes if we try to stay too long or for the wrong reasons, um, that's just as, uh, that that's not good either. And so, um, so yeah, no, I'm I'm very much looking forward to uh, the these events. Now, this particular event, you know, is an invitation only. That's that's what we're going to be piloting and testing. And but the the long term goal, uh, yeah, share with us the long term goal with that. Long term goal is that I think that this is something that any company, organization, university, college can use as a format to teach mental health. I think that, you know, in this day and age, even at my work, you know, we have cybersecurity training and sexual harassment training and, um, you know, mental health training or mental health awareness is also part of that. But I don't want to sit, you know, not to call out my company, I guess, but, you know, I don't want to just sit and look at a boring PowerPoint presentation and, you know, maybe get a bag of candy or something to, oh, here, your mental health, or here's a pizza, whatever, you know, I, I think that there's a better way to bring mental health to others in daily life. And like I said, music just is that scale factor. And I think that this is something that can definitely help um, any group of any company business school and so the goal is that you know as you said we're, we're piloting testing this that as we fine-tune it to talk about different structures of mental health we could bring this anywhere mm-hmm. and help many many people with this well and i think you know i know uh, you know it's been on in illinois it's been on the uh, the State Board of Education plan for you know twenty plus years now, the the initiative of social emotional learning to add in social emotional content within within the average school within the classroom. They have educators have struggled with that from an element of what do you mean to okay we're gonna we're gonna take ten minutes of the health class 
to to do something on social emotional learning and and now there's there's even a greater sense and an urgency of being able to do that um, in our schools because of post-pandemic, our students coming back because of the experience of being quarantined, um, our, our, our students are at a higher need than ever with yeah. anxiety, depression, uh, loneliness, hopelessness, the risk of suicide is greater now than ever. Um, last year, the, the Surgeon General declared that our youth are in a mental health crisis. And um, primarily, um, he identified uh, that the use of social media and screen time is a significant contributor. We have college-age individuals and below who've never experienced life without social media. Yep. Without a smartphone. And, um, yeah. and, and so I think that this may be a way to, you know, to, to bring, uh, and I don't know exactly how yet, but I think there is definitely a, a vehicle and how to be able to, to bring content and um, share the information about how we can uh, improve our mental health like we improve our physical health. Yep. I think, and I strongly echo what you said about, you know, kids in school and college age students and I would add that I'm very certain that also for adults just in the workplace, oh, yeah. because, you know, I see that my work, I talk to other employees at other companies, and it doesn't matter where you go. Everyone is suffering in the same society of this culture that we've created and the standards that we put on ourselves because of social media. And it's it's very hard as you know, parents and workers to, to navigate all of this. And I do think that companies can definitely benefit from having events like this to help employees to navigate their mental landscapes. So all spectrums, I'm, I know you're more focused and go to and speak at schools a lot. And I go to work every day in the corporate world. And so, um, yeah. All of those things, yeah. yeah. Well, it was interesting. Last week, I was uh, I had the opportunity to be uh, at a winter conference for an organization called Uncommon Farms, and I was one of the keynote speakers and breakout session speakers for this uh, week long conference. And these are um, this Uncommon Farms organization that is focused on multi generational farm families. And so, um, so I was bringing some of my content about developing grit and managing stress in an ever-changing world, talking about these concepts to, well, essentially farmers that, you know, that as they said to me, they don't talk about this stuff. This is stuff that we don't, you know, we never used to do it. So why are we going to do it now type of thing? And this, oh, yeah. that, that group was, it was probably one of the best experiences and the best feedback uh that i've um you know one that then maybe i've ever gotten you know when i've done some of my work so uh very much uh i'm excited about these possibilities of where we're going to go with it and what we can do with it and the schools are one place because they're they're a captured audience and and have such a need but 
everything from businesses to first responders to military to in this case the farmers you know it it's it's every it's in every industry and no one is exempt from it and um and so how do we bring bring a message of of hope and healing and perspective and growth so yep so. i love that we have aligned and i'm very excited for the future and what this turns into yeah. Well, Irene, I know that uh, this will not be the the only time that you'll be on the journey. We'll be we'll be setting up some times for you to be on. And as we're discovering new things and coming across new things, this will be one of the platforms that we will bring to our audience to talk about what you know what you're doing, what we are doing together, and um, and how we want to be able to bring some content and information out to uh, just the community at large. So again, thank you. If someone wanted to check out your work, check out your the 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 videos that you've created right now, or get in contact with you, what's the best way for them, uh, for our listeners to to reach out to? You can first and foremost, if you have Instagram, I am most active on that platform, so you can search Irene's dot entropy e n t r o p y, um, or I have my website irenesentropy.com. And my YouTube channel is the same. I would definitely recommend checking out the videos. We'll be releasing another video in the series this month, which I'm very excited about. A new single is going to drop. And also to go check out the Identity Project on my website. That is launching again with a new format. And I'm very much involved with that. So you can get a hold of me through the Identity Project as well. Perfect. Well, thank you again. Again, I'm I'm looking forward to the next uh, the next month or so as we are preparing for our 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 pilot in in March. And so we'll obviously you and I will be in contact, and I'll be sharing information with our listeners as well. So. Um, for anyone that is interested, I'd highly encourage you to reach out to check out Irene's work. Um, the the pieces, the videos that she's created, almost like a like short films, even though they are, are the length of a song, they very much have a story in himself. And what she is releasing is there is a a storyline with those. So I would highly encourage you to check those out, check out her website, and then also check out her identity project as well. As always, thank you for being with us. And I look forward to being with you next week. Thanks, Kevin.